the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network presents. Take a seat and buckle up, folks, because Chad Allen, Shelly Allen, Zach Romero, and Luna Lynn are here to violate your ear holes with more indie wrestling, pop culture, and pee-pee humor than you could possibly mentally or emotionally prepare for. You're here for reviews, interviews, nonsense, and more nonsense. It's the IndieCast! Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IndieCast After Dark. I'm Zach Romero. Joining me all the way at uh, IndieCast HQ is Chad Allen. And uh, this is a very finger-on-the-pulse episode of IndieCast After Dark. We've got a lot of different topics to discuss going on in the world of pop culture and professional wrestling. We've got our ginkgo. I drank a Red Bull. Uh, we're very, very focused tonight. This is going to be a slightly different well, episode. Let's, let's, uh, you're, you're saying we're focused right now. We'll see what happens when the actual episode starts. Side- it, I was say we're gonna we're gonna roll the dice. We'll see. We'll hey, see where it goes. Chaos and sidetrack sometimes tend to happen. That's usually what how it goes. So well, here. So, but you're absolutely right. We do have a lot of different topics, and a few of them that we actually had brought up on our uh, Twitter fairly recently. So for those of you that are following our Twitter, you've probably seen some of these questions. Uh, Recently, one of them will start off with um, it's been become a very interesting argument between some wrestlers and not all, because I've gotten some commentary on both sides of this uh, between wrestlers and fans over ultimately who gets to decide who a good wrestler is or what a good wrestler is. And the reason that I bring this up is um, is there was a, an argument somewhere on the net, of course, because that's what the internet is for, is for arguments and pornography. Um, and maybe, I guess, sometimes people arguing about pornography. I'm sure that's a possibility. Um, but uh, somebody had mentioned that they were a very long-term wrestling fan and been watching wrestling since they were very young. So, ultimately, they could say, even though they've never been in the ring, um, what a good what a good wrestler is, or what you know what it takes to become a good wrestler. And a few people definitely came back with, especially those who were uh, in the business, that unless you've actually been, you know, in the ring with laced up boots and have gone through the training, that you really don't get to say what a good wrestler is and, and what it isn't. Um, and I'm interested to know, kind of, uh, obviously I've got a lot of people's different topics on this one, but uh, Zach Romero, I'm going to let you start with, uh, what is your feeling on this? Who ultimately gets to decide what a good wrestler is? Not to be the, like, define what the word is, is guy, but I think part of the initial conflict is coming from what good wrestler really means in this context. Because in right. in in my opinion, a good, like, wrestler in terms of technical prowess or, or abilities, I think goes to, to other wrestlers. You would decide, you know, sort of through trial and error, like, who is a good wrestler in terms of, like, Oh, Bret Hart's a good wrestler because he never got anybody hurt. Or like, oh, Dean Malenko was a very good wrestler because he's so very talented and could wrestle in a variety of styles. Or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of like, what is a good wrestler in terms of, you know, drawing power and popularity, that ultimately has to go to the fans because the wrestlers in the back may think, oh, that guy's a really great wrestler. But if he's boring, then it's not going to matter. He'll just, you know... He'll be a curtain jerker for his whole career or whatever the terminology may be. So that's part of my conflict here is it's how do we define what a good wrestler is? Is it good in ring? Is it good in terms of getting a reaction out of people? And those are your two different camps. If it's good in ring, then I think it's up to wrestlers because 
ultimately fans, you know, they're just an outside perspective. They can't really be like, well, I've taken a body slam from him and I know that he's very gentle, has soft hands. Like, no, they're not going to know that. But if it's good wrestler in terms of like, hey, people are giving a shit, then it ultimately doesn't matter what the other wrestlers think as long as the fans care. So that's my kind of wishy-washy, still-on-the-fence sort of take on it. So here, here is kind of the, the example I, w- I would like to, to use on this on my on how I look at it. Um, do you remember? Okay. And this and this might be this might be me pulling out my like my my cane and my rocking chair right now and, and golden guising it right now. Do you remember uh, back in the eighties and early nineties a wrestler named Brad Armstrong? Yes, of course. So uh, Road Dog's brother. Wh- and and, and, okay. uh, and you know eventually what? Eventually, a very talented wrestler or a talented referee. You have, you have you have proven you have kind of proven my point here. Um, so Brad Armstrong <laughs> is indeed. I love being an example. Road Dog's brother. That was the first thing that popped into your head when I said Brad Armstrong. You didn't picture him in the ring. You first thing you pictured was, oh, that's Road Dog's brother, because ultimately, Brad Armstrong in his career. Um, was considered one of the smoothest, one of the best wrestlers um, around, and like a wrestler's wrestler, the wrestlers that other wrestlers love to work with because he was just that good in the ring. Here is the problem as it pertained to one Mr. Armstrong. Uh, he had all the excitement of dry white toast. And it's not that he didn't try to do come up with things. They tried to come up with gimmicks. I know at one point I think he was like the candy man where he had like, uh, like uh, red and white stripes on his gear and stuff like that. They tried all sorts of different things to try to make him make him interesting to the fans, and the fans usually reacted with um, wonderful blasé. Uh, there was just not all that big of an interest. Now, on the flip side, if I, if I can interrupt you, sure. if I can interrupt you momentarily, I hope I'm not the only person who's envisioning, envisioning Brad Armstrong with a big uh, fur coat and a hook hand. Stalking a blonde woman. I'm hoping that I'm not the only wrong one who can- pictured that when you said that he was the Candyman. Wrong Candyman, but see, the funny part is, I immediately picture Willy Wonka. You immediately. This is the difference between you and I here. I went Willy Wonka. <laughs> you went horror flick. Welcome to our welcome to our overall our, our overall friendship that's, in, in a T right there. If I've ever seen it, so, that's the rub of the show. <laughs> but um, okay, now, anyway. Now, very again, so very interesting that that was the reaction you gave. Um, Road Dog, uh, Jesse James Armstrong. Uh, is currently a WWE Hall of Famer uh, with Degeneration X. <laughs> oh, Dog, I don't know why that struck me as so funny. There I'm sorry. He nobody, was definitely one of my favorites as a kid. Right. But there is nobody in the world that's going to look at, at, at Road Dog and go, damn, he was a good wrestler. He didn't put on technical classics. He, he was never like... Somebody that was going to like, you know, he, he wasn't a Malenko, he wasn't a Guerrero, he wasn't somebody that was going to like blow the doors off the place with his amazing technical prowess. But again, now he's a Hall of Famer because of the way that he reacted to the fans and the way the fans took to him. And now, I, though I don't disagree that, like you said, in the technical aspect of things, can other wrestlers tell me, hey, that guy's really good in there? Sure, sure, I'm sure he is. But if he's... Not if they're not interesting and they're not drawing, they don't have that hook. They don't have that it that's going to get people interested. Who cares how good you are in the ring if it, if it doesn't 
make any difference to the tickets that are sold and the merchandise that's sold and the people that, you know, you know, come in here to, to pay ultimately everybody's salaries. Um, so, I, I mean, I think it's a mix. Don't get me wrong. Do I think the fans always have it right either? No, because there's a bunch of people that think, you know, uh, Roman Reigns sucks, and they're wrong. Roman Reigns is a great wrestler. Um, now, just because you don't like him or somebody else doesn't like him, okay, that's your opinion. That's fine. Um, but you don't like the character. The wrestler itself and the man that's in the ring knows what he's doing. Um, so, but, but all in all, I, I don't have a problem with a fan saying, no, this person's a good wrestler or not, even though they didn't lace up the boots, you know. There's enough film critics out well, there that have I, never made a movie in their lives that are going to tell you that, you know, this movie was good or this movie was bad. So, True, but again, I think in both cases, you're dealing with the same thing. That it feels as though you're making a more complete argument for your side if you try to involve the technicalities of it. Because you may be, you may have the greatest hot take on the planet Earth, but if it's based solely on your feelings, it kind of loses some of the, the oomph behind it. If sure. you're like, well, I just don't like him, it, that doesn't quite have the same power as, oh, no, no, I know what I'm talking about, and as such, I think he is an inferior wrestler because blah, 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 whatever, whatever. So I think same thing with movies. Like, you can be like, you can, as a critic, you can sit there and go, I don't know, man, the movie just didn't grab me, okay? Like, I watch it, I was bored, I just wasn't into it. It's just not for me. Well, that doesn't have a lot of, like, power or, you know, superiority to it. But if you go, well, I think that the camera movements that they decided or the angles uh, were very derivative of earlier works and I just don't feel like they were really bringing anything new to the conversation... Well, that sounds like you know what the hell you're talking about, and as such, you're going to have a lot more mileage in how people perceive your opinions, as opposed to, I don't know, I thought it sucked. Now, me, on the other hand, as an intellectual, when I'm talking about a bad movie, I just compare it to other worse movies that I've seen. I'd be like, yes, Killer Pinata was bad, but did it make me want to rip my own eyes out? No, no. There are other films that hold that regard. And that's how I, you know, and then I, like, smoke my pipe or something. I love that there's a movie called Killer Pinata out there still to this day. i got to sit down and watch that at some point. Surprise! <laughs> the, I, will, I will let you know, is it my mini-review of Killer Pinata, the first half, real struggle. You sit through it, you're just about to change the channel, you're like, ah, this is no good. And then it, it, it has a weapons-making montage, and from that point on, the movie completely flips itself around. See, that sounds like the opposite version of Full Metal Jacket, where the first half is absolutely, like, mwah, amazing, and then the second half, you shut it off. True, but the only thing that Full Metal Jacket didn't have was didn't have a piñata sucking a man's dick. And so, well, with that being said, Chad, did you have any specific takes, without naming names, uh, of this discussion point that you brought up, uh, since you did say it was kind of making its rounds or, uh, about the internet? Any particular takes that you thought were uh, interesting um, or different from ours, or are we moving on to the next topic? Uh, I mean, like I said, thankfully, I mean, and I had a couple of professionals that, that actually answered it, and they, they kind of hit a lot of the same things we did. One um, one wrestler did state that, you know, ultimately it's the fans' decision, you know, who's good, who's bad, because they're the ones that basically pay for the tickets, and, you know, that's what you have to deal with. There was somebody else that 
kind of uh, um, talked about the yeah, the fans ultimately have the decision, but sometimes they you know they let their feelings get too much in the way. Uh, but I think that's true both ways, though. I think that's the funny part is I think sometimes the fans get their feelings, you know, they get some you know hurt feelioma uh, that you know based off of somebody that for some reason they don't <laughs> like, like Roman Reigns. But then the wrestlers are the same way some days. That you know if they're not like if people aren't talking more about like you know what's you know the you know the special wrist lock that they did inside that ring instead of you know well, that person's just more interesting, and that's who I want to see, then you get people to get pissed about that. Right. Too. So, you know, um, you know, and I'm trying to think of, like like I said, like, you know, Road Dog kind of being an example kind of like that. His brother was a much better wrestler, but Road Dog is the one that drew, drew tickets because he just had that it factor. And I think sometimes Fucking professional people wrestlers... thought Ultimate Warrior was, like, the greatest thing since sliced bread, and he was made of right. 50% muscles and 50% cocaine. So, huh. uh, who fucking cares? It doesn't matter. Right. But there's a bu- but there's a bunch of professional wrestlers out there who like get really pissy at shit like that, and I think that's hysterical unto itself. It's like maybe you should stop, you know, True. not not that I think you should be fifty percent cocaine, but you know maybe stop and see what what is it about these people that are interesting, um, and look at it that way. And by the way, uh, uh, for those of you that uh, uh, didn't know, you might want to this based off of this conversation. If you are a wrestler who's looking for that little something, please look up the gimmick guide. Uh, we'll be glad. We'll be oh, glad to nice. talk to you a little also, further if, about that. If, uh, in, in addition to that, if you're uh, you're not a, a wrestler necessarily, but you want a further discussion about uh, other wrestlers, perhaps looking at what successful wrestlers are doing and learning from it, feel free to check a previous episode of ours where we discussed uh, the signing of uh, one of the Stunt Brothers. All uh, tiny, under five nine of him yes. getting signed, and and what to take away from that as a professional wrestler, and not just hating on people being successful. So there's there's yeah, your double found, plug. Found right here on the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network. So anyway, um, boom. Topic number two. Um, so let, let's segue a little bit. Um, Jordan Grace, uh, who we are both, uh, I believe, a fan of and would love, to have, would love to have on the show someday. So, Jordan, if for some strange reason you're listening, uh, check your PMs, because uh, I'd love to have you on the show. But um, had come out recently and wanted just to have a, a conversation uh, about the overall idea that wrestling should probably be considered a performance art and not uh, held up so much as a sport, because the idea that we are, you know, that we here are presenting a legitimate sporting contest might be holding the overall idea of wrestling back. Um, now, uh, this does break out an argument from uh, from other people. Uh, somebody who I will refer to uh, as James E. Relevant. Uh, that's, that's, I think that's better is. than mine. I was going to go with uh, Tim uh, Tim F. Corvette. So Tim I like F. yours Corvette. much better. Thank you. So uh, so Tim e, Tim Irrelevant. E uh, if you don't know who we're talking about, good. If you do know who we're talking about, we still don't care. Um, decided to chime in uh, and basically just call her a butterface instead of actually like opening up a, you know a dialogue because why would he? Um, which then brought in our fifth co-host David Starr to. Um, get into an argument with Mr. Uh, Irrelevant 
and you know about just dumb shit. But anyway, uh, so let's. I'm going to ignore the irrelevant portion of this uh, from uh, basically here on out. I think, unless you've got some commentary on Mister Relevant. Um, but otherwise, I would be interested to hear what your thoughts are on calling wrestling a performance art and not a sport anymore, or even a sport entertainment, as of course one big company tends to like. Well, I was going to say, uh, believe it or not, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to pull a swerve on you here, if I can be just that kind of pretentious dick. Um, my my response to the performance art versus sport uh, debate is actually very very short. And then I do have a little bit of a blurb about um, Mr. Irrelevant. So my blurb about the performance art versus sport debate is um, I feel like my answer has already been given on the six years of co-hosting a show called The IndieCast, where in one of our famous two questions that we ask every guest, the setup for it is I mentioned that in the performance art known as professional wrestling, we lose talents early. So I believe I'm already spoken for in terms of how I personally feel how to categorize pro wrestling. Right. Um, Um, I think on commentary, I would refer to it as a sport because um, that's just sort of like my I want to be like Gordon Soley kind of thing, but in terms of like if I'm describing it to somebody, I would not refer to it as this very real sport that I went and, and experienced. I would ex- I would exclaim it more of it was a performance art. I, I want to give you possibly... So if I'm... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. No, go ahead. I, I want you to finish your thought because then I'll, I'll, I'll double back. So go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so... So my thought on uh, Mr. Irrelevant is I actually happened to see a short video starring him about a week ago before this whole shitstorm developed. And he was basically giving a guided tour of his pro wrestling man cave, for for lack of a better term. And Mm -hmm. he's a huge wrestling nerd before he was even involved in the business. Right. So he's got, like, programs and pamphlets from, like, the first wrestling shows that were ever in America and things like that. Just unbelievable artifacts that he has about the founding days of pro wrestling. And when I saw that video, it was actually very, very interesting to watch. And so having that kind of bouncing around in my head and seeing this shitstorm where he's flinging middle school insults at a, at a grown woman who is... I would say at the top of her of her game right now um, was just a complete misstep and 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 just he's a moron. But nevertheless, I think his role now in the world of professional wrestling should be one of the wrestling historian because there is not really a role for that that is filled right now. Nobody really kind of carries the torch well for the founding fathers. And I say well because, of course, he's this guy has plenty of minions who are like, if it's not like it was in 84, it's not for me. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about keeping wrestling of the past that has led to where we are now alive so that we can learn from it. And even if he still wants to be a dick about it, even if he wants to be the fun police... And come in and say, oh, you think such and such is original? Well, I'll tell you something. Fucking Buckeye Boo Boo from back in 1975 did the exact same gimmick. 
And he even had the same looking sunglasses. And you'd go, well, I didn't know that. And then, hey, you've got something interesting to look into in the past. And who knows, maybe the new guy who's maybe accidentally, maybe purposely ripping him off can go, whoops, I got to kind of step my game up a little bit. Or maybe I didn't even know and let me study this guy and rip him off better. So I think that's truly the role for Mr. Irrelevant is be wrestling's historian and you can keep us humble in terms of not getting too far up our own asses and thinking that we're reinventing things every day. You can keep us humble in terms of like, hey, that used to be done. Or did you know that this is what used to work back then? Like, perfect example. WWE, they just had one of their ladies tell Natty Nightheart to go to hell and say hi to her father. Hey, that's pretty fucked up. Well, the wrestling historian could give us some more context of like, well, here are other examples of wrestlers who have crossed that line of their eras and here's the reaction that it got. And then we have the debate, is that really a thing that could be done now, yes or no? Is that in good taste anymore? So that's my kind of like solution here. I'm trying not to just be negative. My solution right. is, let's put Mr. Irrelevant in the position of the wrestling historian and not so much in the, in the role of like the racist grandpa. Because that's kind of where I feel he is now. We're all having family dinner. He's coming in and saying kind of some kind of racial slur. We all roll our eyes and look at our watches and go, when do we put him back in the home? I don't think he wants that. I don't think we need that. I think if he could be more of the wrestling historian, I think it's going to benefit everybody. Because we may learn something new, and he has a direction and a focus for his energy and whatever's left of it. So that's my solution to the whole situation. And also... Professional wrestling is a performance art. Suck my dick. There you go. So, okay. Let me work backwards a little bit on some of the things you said. Uh, so, Mr. Irrelevant has, I believe, gotten past the point where we could we could consider him just wrestling historian because I believe he has gotten so far um, into ultimately what has become his brand new gimmick um, that I don't think he could back up and just, like, and, and take an actual step back to go, well, this is how it was in the past. And this is how it compares to the future. Um, I, I don't think he has that in him. And um, I think, um, much like you said, I think it's time that we all look at our watch and go, when do we put him back in the home and put him there? Uh, okay, I'm tired, I'm tired of hearing from him. Um, I would like to state that we do actually have somebody that doesn't get enough credit out there, kind of as a wrestling historian, who does, uh, who does kind of take a look at things that have happened in the past and then talk a little bit about, like, you know, people that reflect like that. I would actually like you to look at one Gary Michael Capetta, uh, former WCW ring announcer, especially back in the 80s and 90s, um, actually does a lot of that on his uh, on his Facebook page. And if you're not following him, I highly recommend it. Plus, I know he's done a couple, I think he wrote a book recently, plus he's done a couple of live shows uh, where he's come out and told old wrestling stories. Um, so I think Gary Michael Capetta could actually be what you kind of wanted Cornette to be. Um, so I highly recommend check, check Gary Michael Capetta out. Uh, he's, uh, and he seems like a really good dude, too, from what I can tell. Um, to back up a little That's bit... That sounds pretty fantastic. To back up a little bit on your Gord, uh, you comparing yourself to Gordon Soley, uh, I'm going to give you what I truly actually feel is one of the best compliments, and I hope you take it as such. Um, Soley, I, I, don't, I don't know because uh, if, if I would make that comparison, um, but uh, I think if you mixed a little bit of Gordon, Gordon Soley with a huge dash of Joey Styles, who's one of my favorites of all time when it comes to announcers, that's definitely you. Um, so keep, <laughs> keep, keep up the good work. 
because I don't know if you've ever actually. Well, no, I know you've heard some of your own like like screaming antics, which happen during certain moves. That well, that's all Joey right there. Uh, I, I don't know if uh, yeah, I don't know if I, I, never I'm, really raised his voice like that. I'm, so. I was gonna say I'm honored. I'm honored to be uh, to be given such a compliment, and, and obviously by someone of your stature who has watched wrestling forever. And I would I would consider you, if there ever was one, a gatekeeper of what makes uh, good wrestling. Um, I would say uh, I, I would say that that comes with a lot of weight behind it in terms of importance, and I and I really appreciate that. That means an awful lot, Chad. Thank you. Now, now we just need to find you a good Heenan to like play off of or something like that one day. So that's true. That's true. Um, okay. Uh, so uh, final topic, wrestling topic here, and probably the biggest one. And this just came up, uh, I think, today actually on the day that we're. Working. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You didn't actually answer the question. Is wrestling a performance art or a sport? Oh God, no! It's a performance art. Hell yeah, it's a performance art. It, quite honestly, um, wrestling stopped becoming uh, okay. First off, nobody. I don't know if anybody truly has always believed that wrestling is a sport. I mean, I know we all have our Santa Claus moments where as kids we think it's the most real thing in the world and these guys actually hate each other and we get into the storyline. But I think even then we have a glimmer of the spectacle of it, that there has to be something in the back of our Mm -hmm. brains going, could this really be? Um, Wrestling stopped being even remotely close to a sport during Vince McMahon's steroid trial when he basically, on the stand, had to admit that wrestling was predetermined. Um, And from that point there, the cat was out of the bag, there was nothing else that could be done, um, and even Vince started branding it sports entertainment because he didn't, you know, partially because he didn't want to deal with the word wrestling. He was trying to get more into the entertainment business. But because even he knew that, uh, you know, I think even Vince realizes that this isn't a sport. It's not. There, yes, we're we're showing competition here, but it's the same way that like, you know, we we watch a battle between Superman and Batman. Um, we know that's not real either, but we can still get into it and still enjoy it. That's entertainment. That's that's a performance by two actors. This is a performance by a couple of actors. And actually, interestingly enough, this started up another thing with Jordan Grace recently that Cornette got in that I didn't even have on our list here that I forgot about. Jordan Grace, uh, her Twitter handle is at Jordan Grace. Her name right now on Twitter, though, is her actual shoot name, which I don't remember what it is, and I I don't care what it is, uh, because even if I met her in person, and I have before briefly, I would address her as Jordan Grace because that is her wrestling name. Um... But somebody asked why more wrestlers nowadays are like having Twitter handles or, or you know things like that that are their character, but then listing themselves as their actual name. And I think um, Alexa Bliss does it as well. Uh, I think her uh, her um, actual name is like Lexi Kaufman or something like that. And more and more people are starting to do this. So, and she said, and um, Jordan Grace, when somebody asked her about it, asked. Why are we doing that? And she said, I think more people are just getting into the idea that um, uh, the wrestling character is one thing, but my actual life is another. Um, and a bunch of people got all pissed about that, too. And I'm pretty sure James E. Relevant was another one that <laughs> threw a fucking redneck hissy fit with his stupid tennis racket and that bull crap. Um, but I don't think that's wrong either. It, it's a performance. That's a performer out there 
you know, it, no matter how much the character may or may not be like them, that's still a character out there. You know, yes, Jordan Grace is a is a character, but she's somebody else when she's not being Jordan Grace. Um, you know, Hulk Hogan, the biggest you know biggest name wrestler in the world to this day, bar none. I don't think anybody can argue that Hulk Hogan is, you know, for many people what wrestling is. That's their picture of a wrestler and wrestling. Hulk Hogan is a character. Terry Bollea is the person behind it. And, you know, though Hulk and Terry probably have a lot of things in common, they're still two different things. Um, And a lot of people need to kind of understand that some days, I think. So, um, but yeah, so, no, it's a performance art. These are performers. Let's call it that. And yeah, I, I think I even mentioned that, you know, in our on our Twitter feed that obviously we say that every time we ask the final two questions. Now, we've referred to it as a sport on the show before as well, but I think ultimately we believe performance art in that. And I don't think that should be like criminal that we're calling it performance art. That's what it is. So. Yeah, I was going to say, basically as soon as I had any sort of role whatsoever in it uh, with my uh, terrible athletic ability and experience in playing uh, or attempting to play uh, football in high school, uh, there would be no way if it was a sport that I could be involved in anyway. That's just right. not an option. Um, I don't, not, not, not a physically strong man. Um, as, as your wife likes to point out, I, I wince like a little old lady anytime someone threatens to hit me. So, uh, so yeah, if it was a sport, then I, I don't think I, I have the chops for it. But if it's a performance right. art, I may have a shot. Right. So, uh, okay, so what, so what I was... All right, enough about that. Let's move on to the next subject. So what I was getting ready to segue to from there, um, and I think probably the biggest wrestling news that just broke today, uh, WWE, well, I guess they announced it officially on Monday. WWE announced that uh, they're basically kind of what we consider their indie brand. Uh, NXT uh, will be moving to a two-hour time slot on Wednesdays uh, on USA, which is very interesting because uh, a certain show uh, called AEW was supposed to be debuting in a few months on Wednesdays on TNT. So we're basically starting up a, a Night Wars again, this one on Wednesday night, obviously. Uh, so what are your thoughts on WWE basically counter-programming AEW? Well, um, I, I, I'm pleasantly surprised at it. Uh, like I said, I, I kind of went into this thinking it was probably going to take a little bit longer uh, to get to this point that maybe like AEW might have had a few you know weeks or months of programming before finally it came to town instead of like coming right out of the gate. Um, however, if I may, I want to quote, uh, our very own, uh, wrestling nerds, brethren and co-host of, uh, the Team Hammerfest Power Hour, uh, the Sussman, Rick Sussman, who, uh, being, you know, the mayor of NXT for a time mentioned that, oh, you know, they'll, they'll take it out of, uh, full sale by October, was his assessment. And I want to say, just before we get into this too deeply, I don't want this to be confused with, like, a dirt sheet, uh, you know, uh, program or, or pay-for-play podcast or anything like that. Let me, let me be abundantly clear with this. We don't know shit about fuck. Right. 
So anything we're saying right now is pure speculation. If we happen to be right on the money, well, goddamn, we're great. But by no means do we have any kind of insight or uh, insider knowledge, nor will we claim to, because we're not dicks who are looking to lie to our audience. Now, that being said, I did read into the article that uh, was posted, the official announcement, and they claimed, WWE proper claimed, that they were going to leave NXT at the Full Sail University uh, NXT Arena, which I find very interesting. However, um, for me personally, this feels very rushed in terms of we kind of had a will-they-won't-they once AEW mentioned that they were running to Wednesdays, and then suddenly, without a lot of like foreshadowing or pomp and circumstance, suddenly it's ah, it's moving. It's uh, NXT's moving. It's, uh, it's going to be on TV now. So, with that in mind, that's sort of the vibe that I've picked up from it. I know very scientific of me um, that it feels very sort of rushed into production because, to be perfectly honest, NXT Weekly is already a well-oiled machine. So. There's no reason why it couldn't, you know, suddenly be put on TV. It's a TV show ready to go. That being said, because it feels very rushed to me, I feel like we're there's a good chance that we'll have at least a few months of it kind of running on its own before it gets settled, and then you're running into the potential danger of, well, now that it's on big TV, that means it's big Vinny's you know, play thing now, and he'll start booking in how he wants, et cetera, et cetera. Again, no guarantees that that will be the case, but I just right. feel like it's so pie in the sky, out of nowhere, here it comes, it's going to be on TV, that I don't think there's time to put in the checks and balances that Raw and SmackDown have. Hell, SmackDown's not even on Fox yet, right? No, that happens... Or am I crazy? Did I miss that, that happens coming up pretty soon. I can't remember if that's the end of this year or if that's right, uh, like shortly, but not yet. So that real soon, though. So that deal hasn't even right. So that deal hasn't even been, you know, launched yet. Hasn't even been put into play yet. So I feel like there are other things on the hopper that are going to take Vince McMahon's attention. And as such, I feel like there's going to be a little bit of a uh, you guys just sort of run the ship for now and then perhaps in 6 months time Vinnie Mac will wake from his, you know, Raw Smackdown slumber and go, all right, let's take the show on the road. Let's start making this a big thing and blah, 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 blah. And now we've got 205 Live 2, the shittening. Right. So that's my two cents based off of, uh, you know, uh, the initial concerns of one fellow broadcaster, uh, Rick Sussman, and, uh, and my overall vibe that I've picked up of this sort of getting rushed into production to a certain extent. So that's me. So Chad, what about you? What's your take? So, uh, and also don't forget, by the way, Vince McMahon also will have his attention with the XFL, which starts up pretty soon as well. Actually, I think oh, very true. They God officially damn it! That's announced, why you're uh, a good. That's why you're a good goddamn co-host. They announce, uh, I believe, tomorrow. Actually, very interesting. Uh, briefly on the XFL, they officially announce uh, all the team names and logos for the 2020 season. So we'll start to know uh, what teams we'll be rooting for. There's no New York team that I'm aware of. So, uh, sad panda. I guess I'll have to root for the, the Tampa Bay team. Um, but anyway, that, that's neither here nor there. Um, if I agree, TNA, uh, and a TNA, a uh, whole other thing. NXT is, exam- is absolutely a well-oiled machine and probably should be seen on a wider audience because the shows are normally that good. I'm mildly afraid of them moving to two hours, but I think that ultimately their talent is strong enough and their 
the way they handle who's on TV when and things like that, um, the two hours shouldn't hurt them too much. Um, I don't, I don't think. Um, however, I think my biggest concern is, um, would be the old proverb of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. True. Leave it the way it is. Leave it, leave it at the NXT arena, except when you go do, um, you know, when you go do the big shows, when you go do the takeovers, that's fine. Uh, I, you know, keep the talent doing what they're doing. Keep the, the set the way it looks. Keep everything the way it is right now because that's what's gotten, that's what's gained people's interest. That audience, though small, is a very reactive, exciting audience, and that audience makes it interesting for people watching because they're really, really into it. And that's something that I don't know if you've watched, you know, if you watch the audiences recently, obviously for Raw and SmackDown, yeah, there's moments where they get really into it, but they're all kind of very, it's a very even keel audience. But if you were to go back and look, and I know I'm going to go back to an era that I constantly rail against, but if you go back and look at the Attitude Era and the audiences that they had then, the audiences were molten. They were hotter than hell. They loved. They reacted to just about everything that happened. It was a spectacle at that time frame, and that NXT audience gives a lot of that same spectacle feeling that you're watching something interesting that people are into and, and things like that. And when you have a wrestler that that makes a splash in NXT, you really start to get invested in them because that crowd really gets invested in them. Um, and um, I hope that they really, truly consider that when they're doing this, that if they want to compete up against AEW, which ultimately WWE is, is looking to do, but the funny part is I'm hearing a lot of AEW folks that are like, okay, bring it. We, you know, If you want to compete against us, that's great. But uh, you know, I, I keep hearing guys like Jericho and the Bucks are like, we're just doing what we're doing over here. You know, but you know, obviously Cody being your one exception, who's like smashing thrones and stuff like that. So, you know, he might Cody might have some blame to have in on all of this here. But, um, you know, I don't think all in all AEW truly has a major feel of like, you know, we're they're just doing what they're doing here, and they've got some real interest going right now. They're announcing date after date of shows for when they start recording TV that are selling out like quickly. Their pay-per-views are selling out quickly. WWE's not doing that lately. Um, so if, if they're going to do this, keep doing what you're doing with NXT so that you don't turn around and mess it up later. Because if you start to, like, if like you said, if Vince starts to get his hands on it and starts to try to make it more like Raw and SmackDown, you're going to lose that magic, and then you've really got a problem from there. Um, because that's the magic you have right now, is that NXT show. So... And by the way, I've heard 205 Live is getting gobbled up by that NXT show. So uh, looks like the that would not be a bad thing. No, I don't think and, so. And, and if I'm, I'll say if I may, I have two little things that I want to mention. One is something very personal to the two of us, and one is going to completely torpedo this discussion. And then I feel like we won't be able to talk about it again. So if you've got any other thoughts, please get them in now because I'm okay. about to build us up, and then I'm going to completely shit the bed on everything. Build us up. Build us up and break us down. As much as I want to be a big old smarky smark and just be like, <laughs> WWE's sweating a little bit, huh? <laughs> um, hey, man. 
Fucking Danny Birch is going to be on goddamn TV every goddamn week. And that's fucking great. It is. Because he, he deserves that. He's a super talented wrestler. And he has busted his ass. He's He told his story on our, on our show about how he had a knee injury and came back from that. And there was complications. And he fought tooth and nail to get back into NXT and become a major player there in the tag team division. And after all that time, Danny goddamn Birch is going to be on TV to the world. And that's pretty goddamn cool. So as much as I want to be cynical and a dick, truth be told, if we want to thank AEW for forcing WWE to do this, or maybe WWE is going to do it eventually anyway, who knows? Who cares? Bottom line is... Danny Birch is going to be on national TV, and not a damn moment too soon. And can so that's I just a very personal say for thing. the record, Triple H, I, I, Triple H, if you're somehow listening to this, thank you for putting Danny Birch on the TV. Give him more than six minutes. That was my inside joke for the day. Uh, what was now? Go <laughs> oh, ahead and you little shit. Away, sir. Um, okay, so um, to your point that AEW doesn't necessarily have to fight NXT, that they can just do their own thing, I'm about to say something. I'm about to say something we might have to censor. This might get cut. I don't know. AEW has made itself the Chris Benoit of the internet. Interesting. Explain. what What I mean by that is, if you ask any pro wrestling internet edgelord who their favorite wrestler is, they say Chris Benoit. Because they just, any chance they get to stick it to Vinny Mac, they're going to take it. Right. AEW is an entire company built off that same feeling. For as many people who are just loving what AEW is doing because they love indie wrestling and they love the talent, that's wonderful. There is going to be, in my opinion, an equal number of people who hate WWE and would watch two dogs fucking if it was somehow in a ratings war with WWE. Okay. So there is going to be that edge lordy community who is initially going to be drawn to AEW just as a fuck you to Vince McMahon and NXT. So had WWE not pulled the trigger on this and brought NXT up, AEW may not have gotten the amount of those edgelord kind of fans. And because now WWE is like, no, we are directly competing with them, they are our competitor, I think there's going to be somewhat of a wave of internet fans who are now, if they were kind of on the fence about AEW, are going to be much more on the fence, or much more in the fa- in the camp of AEW as a specific because, yeah. fuck you to Vince McMahon. Again, I'm not saying that's like why? a vast majority. I'm not saying that that's like a gigantic amount of people, but I'm saying that there's definitely going to be a demographic that may be more drawn to AEW if they think it's going to annoy Vince McMahon. So let me ask you this, though. Riddle me this, Batman. Um, where were these edge lords when TNA started many moons ago? What What's... What was the difference between the two that the the Edge Lords are like slobbering the the proverbial knob of AEW and they did not do so for TNA? 
I, I, that's a great question. I think because TNA in its infancy was more trying to be WCW again mm-hmm. and not we are doing our com- like okay if the if the impact now that's existing in this current timeline in 2019 right. was the impact since the beginning I think that I think you would have had that. I think you would if they had from the get go been like, we're going to do our own thing, and we're going to try this, and we're going to push the envelope, and we're going to have intergender wrestling, and da 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 da. As much as that might have been like a suicide mission, I think they would have been a little bit more of what I'm describing with AEW, right? In terms of like, hey, they're doing their own thing, and if they're going to compete with WWE, if WWE thinks they're a threat, then so be it. But they didn't. At the beginning, it was kind of like, well, we're trying some WCW things. Uh, I believe Jeff Jarrett had talked about on record, like, trying to catch those phantom fans that didn't migrate over from WCW to WWE. Um, That was sort of their initial thing. And I think the big difference maker, above all else, is that WWE never considered them, or never vocalized considering TNA a competitor. Right. They were like, no, we're just going to keep chugging along, and if TNA wants to play catch-up, that's up to them. If they want to r- compete against us on Mondays, that's up to them. doesn't matter to us. I think the fact that you've had a drop-off in popularity in WWE, not a tremendous. They're still making ungodly amounts of money, but houses are a little lower. We're on a decline right now. We're in a cooling period. That, along with AEW getting major sponsorship, getting major money behind it, it's propping itself up as, no, we are a major player. And the fact that WWE, it's like the it's the worst game of, of chicken and the egg. If WWE had never done this, if they hadn't pulled the trigger on NXT, would it have given legitimacy to AEW? Right. And the answer is, I don't know, maybe. I mean, it seems like it's going to be competitive. But the fact that they were like, oh, they announced Wednesday? Guess what? Here's this new show on Wednesday. You automatically gave them the power. It was It's like, that's how the Monday Night War started. As soon as they started with their bullshit billionaire Ted, you know, shtick and like, oh, Macho Man's old. As soon as you acknowledge the competition, they have the power. And I feel like that's what this is. Uh, I, I think the reason that TNA never struck fire like the way AEW is is a lot of the same reason why um, WCW took over for a little while was because of the NWO. I think, um, especially when you had guys like Hall and Nash leaving, who were um, had a lot of people's imagination and were really you know striking it rich in WWE and had characters that people were interested in, and they moved over to this to this new company or to this you know. They were doing a new thing in, in a set company that had the money behind them and things like that. Um, it caught a lot of people's attention, and I think you're dealing with something very similar to there. With like the Bucks are, are were huge on their own. Um, Kenny Omega was huge on his own. Cody Rhodes was you know had a um, fire under him to prove that he was the talent that he said that he said he was um, in WWE, and I think the kind of coming together of all those is, is almost a new NWO type of situation where people are so, you know, into what they're selling that basing that company off of it, 
it had nothing to it had there the only thing it could do was was strike fire like it was versus TNA was coming off of a downturning WCW which was already Very in true. trouble Very true. which was gaining which was losing a lot of interest uh, and then and then I hate to, you know well no I don't hate to say this because I don't I'm not a big fan of the guy anyway I think if you had almost anybody else that was manning TNA other than Jeff Jarrett um, you could like I think if Diamond Dallas Page like had left WCW when WCW closed and then tried to open up a TNA type thing. I think you may have had a better shot at something more becoming of it. Now, of course, I'm saying something more becoming of it when I'm, you know, we're talking a company that's st- it's still running. It's still there. They've got some amazing right. talent going right now. And the sad part is, is because they've done so much to, like, kind of screw over the f- fans. And sometimes not on purpose. You know, it wasn't usually on purpose. They thought they were doing things that were going to move them in the right direction that just kept failing and failing and failing. Well, it's failed so much that now, even though you're like, hey, look, Brian Cage is over here. Sue Young is over here. Rosemary's over here. You can't, and it's like, this is amazing stuff that they're putting on right now. You can't get people to stop and stop and watch it because they've been burned so many times in the past. Um, I hope that... Yeah, it's a little bit of a cry of a cry wolf situation. Oh, God, yeah, it's 100% a cry wolf situation on this one here. So, um but yeah, we'll we'll see. I'll be very interested to uh, to kind of see where it goes from there. So, uh, Zach Romero, uh, you have not we haven't had you uh, had a chance to have you on in a little while and get your shit in. So, uh, I know fully gimmicked is is uh, back and better than ever to quote uh, Eric Bischoff's theme music. Uh, so, uh, get your shit in with fully. Gimmicked. <laughs> if I could find like a with, mini uh, file, I appreciate that. If I could find a mini file version of Eric Bischoff's theme, I would have it play when you open up the website. That would be amazing. You should yeah, do that. Fully Gimmicked fully, fully gimmicked is back. Uh, we've uh, debuted a new uh, generation of future gimmicked wrestlers, including uh, Zachary Cooper, who we've got some merch for up there, as well as a few other new faces. Um, we've got uh, a new uh, Blue Pants Leva Bates prayer candle up, because we're not done being sacrilegious yet. A uh, ton of new designs coming up on the website, not to mention the fact September the 14th, Punk Pro Wrestling presents Wake Me Up When September Ends at the uh, luxurious Gulfview Event Center in uh, beautiful, picturesque Port Ritchie, Florida. Uh, that is going to be one of our most unbelievable shows. We're having uh, returns like we haven't had in any other show for the first time in two years. Ethan Case is coming down. Uh, I'm making the announcement here that in the first time in over a year, John Davis is going to come back to Punk Pro. It is going to be some debuts. we got some new talents coming in. It's going to be nuts. So September the 14th, Punk Pro Wrestling in Port Ritchie, Florida. Uh, There's details online. You can search online for that. Uh, And then finally, as a personal little get my shit in here, uh, I am doing pay-for-play reviews right now um, um, for for movies or TV shows or whatever it is that you're looking for. Um, Basically, if you PayPal fully gimmicked a certain amount of money, I will do a certain variation of review for you. $5 is just sort of like an off-the-cuff hot take. Uh, $15 is a f- episode of The Final 30, where I watch the last 30 minutes of whatever movie you decide upon and decide if I'm going to watch the whole thing. And uh, $30 is a full-blown, full-production, top-to-bottom review of whatever you want. I already have one on the hopper. Um, 
from the late 80s, the film Pieces, which is a really weird slasher film with the greatest tagline I've ever seen on a poster, which is Pieces, it's exactly what you think it is, which I was very impressed with the self-awareness of a film to uh, to have that as a tagline. Um, I'm hoping to do a, a, a hard uh, R-rated uh, remake of it in 2019, and the tagline will be Pieces. You fucking know what's up. Um, so yeah, fully gimmicked at gmail.com if you want to uh, PayPal that, whatever your amount is, whatever your movie is. No film is too bad, no fee is too big. I will whore myself out for you uh, for money. And that's all the shit that I had to get in. Which reminds me, I do need to, uh, I need to pull 30 cash out, because uh, I'll just hand you 30 cash, I won't PayPal it to you. Um, because I definitely thought of a movie, a horrible movie fairly recently uh, that I partially want you to review just for the laugh of it, but partially I want to review because there is some evil, torturous glee in the movie that I've, I've thought about. Uh, so, well, I'll have to talk to you about that later, because uh, that could be that could be fun. Oh, for you, me. you heard you heard the tease you heard the tease there, folks. Chad wants me to review Spookly Two, the Spookling, yeah. on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, more most, more Spookly the Square Pumpkin. Why not? Well, <laughs> here's thirty dollars. Watch and review Spookly all over again. Right, just just do it again. Do it. Do it like legitimately. You have to just like commentate over all thirty minutes of it. I think that's really what we need from there. So, uh, as for uh, as for us, obviously, if you have not liked and subscribed uh, at IndieCast, I N D Y K A S T, uh, on all your social media, you should right now. You should also at uh, Team Hama Fist H A M M A F I S T. Uh, I am sure they will be back pretty soon here because I know that uh, one of our uh, buddy promotions here, Nerd Street Wrestling, just had a show, and I know both of the boys are at that. I'm sure they're going to want to talk about that. I'm sure they're going to talk about AWE uh, and uh, NXT battling it out. So uh, be looking for them uh, both uh, on your social media as well as here on the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network. Um, and also- make sure you are subscribed to, to our to our network because we're debuting a brand new show this week. It stole my thunder. There's going to be a, com- a new third, technically third, kind of maybe fourth show, if you consider Monster of the Week to be its own thing. I don't know. Or, or Golden Guys. Between three and four. Or the Golden Guys, because that's really five if you count Oh, true. So technically too, fourth so. or fifth, I guess? Right. Fourth or fifth. Three, con- third, third consistent, second consistent show. <laughs> second we, consistent show. We hope consistent one show. semi, and then two, two special editions. That's what we'll, we'll, we'll right. consider that. But do we want, do we want to say who it is, or are we going to let it debut? Uh, no, no, we got to leave it a surprise. Okay. Uh, that's I'm, I'm out of I'm, I'm out of Carnival Barkerness. I'm subscribe. Done. That's all I got. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. You'll you'll like it. You'll be very pleased. Uh, so subscribe to that. So uh, well, I think that uh, we are way out of time on that one here. So uh, until next time, everybody. Thank you all the dozens of them for listening to the IndieCast once again. Uh, until next time, everybody. I am as always, Coculus Maximus. I am the sexually aggressive koala. Uh, And as we always like to say, everybody, deuces! Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 3,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 100 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. 
Greetings, everybody. Chad Allen here from the IndyCast. Uh, well, I guess, obviously, they're listening to the show. Uh, here to talk to you about Phil Singer Games. Uh, I know you've probably heard us talk about it uh, before if you're a listener of the episode, but if you're not, Phil Singer Games for over 30 years has been the top wrestling card and dice role-playing style game that's on the market right now. An absolute blast to play uh, if you play the Champions of the Galaxy version, where you can pretend to be one of the many stars from the future and battle them out, to legends of uh, today from here on Earth with guys like Andre the Giant and the Road Warriors, or to the most recent independent up-and-comers. You can play any single one of them, or you can even play them against each other. It gives you the chance to have those dream matches you never thought you wanted to see until right this moment. And you can find out all about it on philsingergames.com. There are hundreds of wrestlers to choose from. Tell them the IndyCast sent you. Go to philsingergames.com. Oh, God, just shove it in my face. I'm ready to greet the day, you fucker. <laughs> Every single one of you guys has made a whole decision. It's that dirty-ass Meryl Street. We it's are. We're touching wieners. Not touching wieners you. professionally. Ric Flair said fuck a six-pack, and he never lost an ounce of pussy. What I am is a big, queer, stone-cold Steve Austin. Mom, save vagina.